0: from the lord acts chapter 2 and i'm going to read from verse 1. it says when the day of pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven and suddenly there came a sound from where from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind And he filled the whole house where they were sitting then they appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance i'm only going to preach on those verses today let's ask the lord to help us heavenly father as I've read your word and as I've said so many times and believe with my whole soul and spirit, Lord, even if I say nothing now, we get in your cars and we go home, I've read your word today. The Logos became Rima. And Father, I know and I trust this because I've seen it. But it's not just because of me, but because of your spirit and your word and who you are. I know that your word will not go out and come back void but it will accomplish everything that it's purpose for father for the next 40 minutes i'm going to ask you lord to strengthen me to help me in human terms i'm weak to preach these big words father i pray for pronunciation for vocabulary lord for calmness in my spirit and more lord for your anointing in jesus name amen, amen. now we come to acts chapter 2 and this is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible one of the most famous ones if you think about this chapter and it is so true that many people and I'm going to challenge you today many people come to this chapter with preconceived ideas with what you've been taught, preconceived ideas which is formed individually or sometimes theologically what do i mean by that it is what you think about this chapter what is this chapter telling me or theologically what have you been taught about this chapter now i'm going to do a little bit of english work because i'm a teacher the, the definition for pre- preconceived is an opinion you have about something before you really know much about it And I've found this so many times when people start explaining what the churches do what repentance is what the Holy Spirit is what speaking in tongues is and they open up in the book in the chapter to Acts chapter 2 they come in here and they've got preconceived ideas about it when they open up in, in the chapter the first thing they started talking to you about is how the Spirit came on tongues and and the noise but then they go straight to speaking in tongues and there's so many teachings of people who are who is using this they use this chapter and they teach people and then they skip over the next part of all of those names of those people you know when these people came up and they speak in different tongues He names a lot of other nations there. They just skip over those names. It's not important. And then they go over. Yes, Peter explains something about what's happening to these boys. And then they go through the sermon. But don't pay a lot of attention to the sermon. But then they come down at the bottom, at the end of the chapter, and they say, that's how the church should be today, when everybody sold everything. And they came together and gave it to the church, and we all lived together. And would you believe there are church groups who are doing that today? Based on this. Based on chapter 2. We know that this is the birth of the church, but let me just say to you today this is not the birth of the Pentecostal church, this is not the birth of the Baptist church. This is not the birth of the Lutheran Church or the Wesleyan Church or the Presbyterian Church. So many people try to write their doctrine from this chapter. But I'm going to challenge that. I want to challenge today your preconcept ideas about chapter 2 in the book of Acts. It is time that somebody take this and put it back into context. What is this? What is this talking about? Is this a teaching to tell us that now that when you are born again, a sign of being born again is you must speak in tongues. Is this really coming from this chapter? And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of teachings around that which uses this as their premise, as where they come from. They try to build upon this. But I want to come back to my definition. I've also found in my time that I start asking people questions around what they believe about Chapter Two. I find that they actually knows nothing about Chapter Two. They haven't taken the time to sit down and study the text. You see, when we come to the Word of God, we should not read meaning into the text. We should take meaning from the text. This is what we should do. It's not what I think what i read it is what the bible tells me that is important and this challenges everybody i mean i come from a pentecostal background and when i have to sit down and read through that myself word by word verse by verse and go back and put it into context and then to think where does this fit into the big picture wow it changed a lot of things for my understanding of the word of god So when we come to chapter 2 today, I want us today to, to see how Luke, the writer of this, see this chapter and what was the intention that he wrote this. You may be surprised that the main focus of the chapter is not what you've been taught. Are you up for that today? So let us have a look at this. You see, when Luke writes this down. Remember, he writes this to a to a person called Theophilus. Remember that. And when he writes this down, the premise, the main idea of chapter two is is the coming of the Holy Spirit. You should be so excited if you think about this. When we have the 26th of December, what do we celebrate? What do the world celebrate? Come on, you know, Christmas. Christmas. What happened on Christmas? What happened on christmas jesus christ. jesus christ was born what does it mean it means that god came and lived with us emmanuel god with us is that how you remember christmas well i should say the birth of jesus christ so that is so wonderful and we all are so glad about it and we reference back to that it was a wonderful occasion when jesus was born do you remember do you remember the angels coming to the shepherds? Do you remember the, the, the Magi who came to bring gifts? And we all are so grateful for that, grateful for that because Emmanuel, God with us, a Son was born unto us. But then we overlook Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is about the coming of God to us. So take away the focus of what people tried to build their churches on chapter 2 but think first and foremost, this chapter should excite you so much because there was a promise made. I believe in God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct persons in one, the Trinity. Do you believe in that? This is a church. Now if you don't believe in that, this is what this church preaches. So we know that God the Father is in heaven but we also know that God the Son came and He lived amongst us John says, he writes about him, he says Him whom we've touched, we've seen Him and we've looked into His life 1 John chapter 1 He came, who believe that Jesus Christ came physically to this earth? And this is where people stop but they don't they don't give the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit the same emphasis than jesus and this chapter to me brothers and sisters dear friend is a wonderful chapter because it tells us that god came back to the earth when jesus ascended on high what came to the earth the holy spirit came to the earth but the holy spirit is not just a wind it is a person So this is the first and foremost thing when you think about Acts chapter 2. You should be so excited about it. You should know this chapter nearly off by heart. You should go on your knees and thank God for Acts chapter 2. You should say, thank you, Lord, that you sent the Holy Spirit not just to be with us, but also to be in us. This was the purpose that Luke wrote the chapter. You see, for Luke was interested in the coming of the Holy Spirit and how it will fulfill the promise of the Father. You need to put it in context. This is what he was interested in. Because he heard these words himself. He heard them in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, Behold, this is Jesus. I will send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry into the city of Jerusalem until you are en- endued with power from on high. So he was talking about the promise of the Father. And then in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was still with them and being assembled with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Why? Because just earlier on, He said to them, He said, there's a promise from the Father, but you need to stay in Jerusalem. Now He's with them, and now He commands them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? The promise of the Father, which He said, you have heard from me. So this is all building up in a crescendo. The promise of the Father. Jesus' reference to it. They were sitting there and waiting for the promise of the Father. And then we find it in Acts chapter 2 verse 33 after it happened. He says, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God. This is Peter preaching. He says, having received from the Father, what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. Acts chapter 2 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all those who are afar off and as many as the Lord will call. So when Luke writes this to Theopolis, he explains to him how this promise from the Father which Jesus promised came upon the people, how the Holy Spirit, how God the Holy Spirit came down amongst the people. That's the emphasis. That's the emphasis. First and foremost, you need to read the chapter in that mindset. Forget what you've been taught, but come to the Word and let the Scripture speak to you and let that tell you. You see, if we understand this, if we understand the coming of the promise of the Father, it will comfort us. It will comfort us. Because if I ask you today, what is the evidence that you've got the Holy Spirit in here? What is the evidence? Don't tell me you speak in tongues. Because I've seen it over my life how the world can copycat tongues as well. The devil can do that. Don't tell me you've raised somebody from the dead because you haven't don't tell me all of the miracles you do or when I lay my hands on people oh you should see what happens that's nothing to me that's science but if you sit here today what is the concrete thing you can hang on to that you can have that you have the Holy Spirit in you have you asked yourself that question and here we come now to Acts chapter 2. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit the coming of God the Spirit I want to talk to you today about that because that's what we find in the first five, four verses. Acts chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4. We're going to look at how Luke it. The way that he describes it. He starts with the day of Pentecost. He says when that day arrived, they were with one accord in one place. He says there's signs from heaven and then he says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit And then they spoke in tongues, the miracle of tongues. That's what he's describing to Theopolis in the first part of this chapter. He says in the first place, when Pentecost has fully come, the day has fully come. Now we need to understand a few things about Pentecost, which is really interesting. Because Pentecost was an important day in the Jewish calendar before it was an important day in the Christian calendar. Pentecost just didn't start when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Pentecost already happened before. It was a feast in the Old Testament. It was instituted or or put in by God Himself. But God used this day, and I want to show this to you. It's fascinating. In Pentecost, in Greek, it is the word Pentecost, which means 50. 50. Now, this feast was held 50 days after the Passover. Brothers and sisters, I've said this to you before. The Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. It's a shadow. It is completed in the New Testament. It is a shadow of the substance. The shadow in the Old Testament always points towards Jesus. In the New Testament, the substance came. His name is Jesus Christ. So when you read about Passover, Passover even is a type of Christ. Pentecost is a type of the church. I'm going to show this to you now. So the Jews on Passover presented the first fruits of their wheat harvest to God. It was also called the Feast of, of the First Fruits. Now, what is it's really interesting. When you go back and you see the first fruits, because if you take the first fruits out of your harvest and you start tasting them, it gives you a taste of things to come, isn't it? The first fruits. If you take the first fruits and it's sour, then you haven't got something to look forward in your harvest, is it? If it is good, you know there's a good harvest that's coming. I want you to think why the Holy Spirit was poured out or when He came on the day of Pentecost. Because it's a sign of the first fruits. I want to excite you today. I want to give you hope today. If you think that we as children of God who is baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you think that we've experienced all the fullness of God through this, this is only the first fruits. There's better things to come. The first fruits is so wonderful, but when you get the whole harvest, it is more wonderful. Now I want you to see in Leviticus chapter 23, this is where it instituted for us uh, the first fruit. It says, you shall bring from your dwellings two loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven, and they are the first fruits of the Lord. I want you to see this they shall be baked with leaven. leaven leaven corrupts we know that isn't it when you take leaven or yeast and you put it into the dough what else happens it corrupts it, it we want to do that because we want it to go fluffy and we bake bread he says in this particular one in Leviticus he says the first fruits to the Lord will be baked with leaven with leaven and that happened on the Passover on Pentecost when the spirit comes down But here, on the Passover, we talk about unleavened bread. In Exodus 12 verse 18, He says, In the first month of the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month. You see, these are two different feasts. The first one was the Passover, and we know where that started, when God said to Moses, You need to go. And then what did he do he instituted the Passover he said you'll kill the lamb you'll put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel will pass you over but they also had to eat bread and that bread had to be unleavened now cast your minds forward now when Jesus Christ came he came to the Passover where did he die at the Passover he died at the Passover was there any sin found in him no he was a sign of the unleavened bread who had to die. But you see here, this bread here, baked of leaven, represents the church which is made up of the Jews and the Gentiles. So first, he says this. He says, when the day of Pentecost fully came, Jesus was raised from the dead. He walked for 40 days amongst them. A lot of people saw him. Then on the 40th day, what happened? He was taken up into heaven. 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came. 10 days later, on the 50th day. The question is, why didn't He just make a swap straight away? Why didn't Jesus, when He came up, immediately the Holy Spirit came down? Because God is meticulous. This is why I say, the Bible is so wonderful and you need to understand it. It is not just a book that was put together by people it was written by god everything happened in time and in purpose and in place for god so do your life everything will happen in time i know sometimes we get a little bit worked up around it now let me show you some other interesting thing about pentecost and this day you remember that when god gave the nation the law He also gave them the law on the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament. When the law came to them, it was on that day. So Moses went up onto the mountain and we know what the people did. They became impatient as we do. And what did they do? They built a golden statue and they started worshiping him. So when Moses came down from the mountain, he he heard first of all this, this noise coming from the people. And it was so interesting that that wasn't the right noise that came from the people because they were worshipping and praising a false god. And what happened when he came down? He threw the stones down and he actually told the people to do something interesting. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 27, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword in his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of people fell that day. First of all, I will say that there is consequences for sin. And we see here the consequence for sin. Again, I'm parachuting into that and I'm taking it a little bit out of context, but you need to go and read the whole chapter. Why did this happen? Because the people worshipped the false God. They sinned against God and there were consequences. And 3,000 people died. Moses made the call. Cast yourself now into Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came down. This is a wonderful brothers and sisters that if we see in Acts chapter 2 verse 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation. This is Peter. Now look at verse 41. He says then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. How wonderful is the word of God? How wonderful. You see but there's something more we need to see in this this is written for us this is written for you and for me what does it mean preacher well paul picked up on this paul he writes in second corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 he said also made us he's talking about preachers sufficient as ministers and not only preachers all the new covenant people of the new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit, I'm so sorry for those sitting in the back, it's down here but you can go and read 2 Corinthians 3, 6 he said for the letter for the letter kills and the spirit gives life Life. it's played out in front of us here we see in the old testament when the law came when the law came the letter came how many people died three thousand here in the new testament when the spirit came how many were saved three thousand and it's an indication for us how many people today are still after the law if we can only follow a little law it makes me feel i'm worshiping god hopefully this church knows why now there's a lot of teachings on that but brothers and sisters Yes, He came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, but we are not under the law. We under the law through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and a relationship with Him. If you still want to sit under the law, it will kill you. But if you come under the Spirit of God, what does it give? It gives life. So He says on the day of Pentecost, can you now see there's much more, much more than the book of Acts chapter 2. Then some people just grab out and make it their dog dry. You need to understand what Luke tried to tell us. It is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now he says, The first sign of the Holy Spirit was audible. They heard the noise of a mighty rushing wind. Now I don't know what happened because you need to understand that Jerusalem's numbers by then was quadrupled. There were so many people there. There's noise in the streets. There's happy people, there's chatter. You know, people, there's, there's these animals who make noise and everything. But above all of that, there's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. But there's no wind. I mean, everybody can start looking around, where's the wind? I don't know about you, but if the wind blows here in Victoria, it blows trees over. That's mighty. This is mighty in Russia. I mean, my neighbors... Tiles flew off his roof and flew onto my eyes That's how you know, hard the wind can blow. But this is just a sound. And he says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as a mighty, rusty wind. Second sign that came was visual. It's visual. He it says, Then there appeared unto them divided tongues. So, first of all, there's a sound and there's visual. Why? Would Luke write these things? Why would the Holy Spirit write it down like this? Why did it have to be a sound and a visual? Why? You see, we need to ask these questions. This is important for me. I asked you before, what evidence have you got of the Holy Spirit? I'm giving it to you. But we go back for the Bible to inter- interpret the Bible. You see, both of these Confirm the reality of the divine presence of God The Jews was looking for a sign and thank God they were looking for a sign because God gave them a sign. What sign? sound and visual They saw it and they heard it. They saw the tongues look like stones of fire coming upon them and What did they do? they then knew something's happened remember these are jewish boys if we go back in the old testament we find all of these things and it explains to us what happened in acts chapter 2 exodus 3 verse 2 and the angel of the lord appeared to him this is moses in a flame of fire in a flame who appeared to him the angel of the lord appeared to him in a flame of fire it's visual and moses knew why did we keep on walking he said wait a minute there's this bush there and it's burning and it's not burning up It, it 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 interested his curiosity so he started going there and from the midst of the bush so he looked and behold the bush was burning with fire but the bush was not consumed so this shows us you know this is a tangible thing. Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. Again, they could see it. He say, but where's the sound? Well, we fast forward to Exodus 19, 18. Now, the Mount Sinai was complete and smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And his smoke descended upon the smoke of the furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. I want you to understand that when these boys were sitting there, or these people, not only boys, when these people were sitting there and waiting on the promise of God, when these things started to come, they then understood, because they knew the Scriptures in the Old Testament, that this is now the presence of God coming into their midst. Isaiah 55 verse 15 says, For behold, the Lord will come with fire again, and with His chariots like a whirlwind to render His anger with fury. Now I thank the Lord that that day, when those tongues came, they were like fire. It wasn't fire, they were like fire. Tongues like fire came upon them. Because I've heard so many times, i heard songs sing, where people sing and say, let your fire fall. I I remember in New Zealand, I went to a conference, I was actually invited. I didn't want to go, but I was invited and I didn't want to be rude. And this man came from America. Uh, I forgot his name, his his last name, but his name is Steve And uh, when I came into the auditorium, everybody was walking around and shouting Fire! Fire! And I thought, how foolish! How foolish! Do you understand the fire of God? Do you understand what you're calling? Oh, yeah, but Acts chapter 2 says it's fire. No, no. You see, again, you come with preconceived ideas. When you understand fully what fire means in the New Testament, it is judgment. It is judgment. So I hear all these songs, let the fire fall just now, let your fire fall. And people hang on for that because they have been—they've been brainwashed to believe that—and nobody asks. Nobody come back and ask, "Where do you get that? Where's the Bible?" Let's show us in the Bible. Let's read it in the Bible. But we call the fire of God. You know what will happen if the fire of God comes into this place right now? Isaiah chapter six. Don't see what happened to the man of God when the train of God coming to the temple when His authority comes into the temple He he is a man of God Isaiah Honestly, if he walks through these doors, I will go and sit down I wouldn't feel the same place to stand in the shoes of Isaiah preaching here That's how I esteem Isaiah as a prophet of God, but when the Spirit of God came into that place He fell down as a dead man Fire and they keep on calling because they don't know what they're calling when i read about my jesus christ in the book of revelation john explains and he says his eyes were like fire whenever you see fire think of judgment yes yes john the baptist said i've baptized with water but after me come one who will baptize you in fire yes why because with him he carries judgment We serve a holy God, but also a just God You see When they have these things You asked me this morning how are you so sure about the holy spirit because it's written in my bible that when he came it was like a mighty rushing wind and it was like tongues of fire that came upon them those two things in the new testament in acts chapter 2 correlates with the old testament how god worked with his nation i said it to you before and i'm going to say it again why did god choose israel and they are still chosen nation we haven't replaced them. No, no, don't be going down that error path. God has still got a purpose in the platform but He chose these people to show a godless world how a sinful people needs to approach a holy God. And all of the Old Testament is there as examples for you and for me, for you and for me, how we approach a holy God. So when in the Old Testament, I see God coming to the midst, with with visible signs and with audible signs and we come here in the book of acts i get so excited because my lord god came down in and the holy spirit came down to live amongst us and not only amongst us but in us and with that it came with what with an audible and with visual signs that's more concrete to me than somebody says you need to speak in tongues you see how much weight is there in this chapter I pray God you see that because I was so excited this week to preach this sermon. So both confirm the reality of the divine presence of God. You have to believe that. These men saw it, and he write about it. Now let me just touch on two things quickly. He says they were all in on the day of Pentecost when he fully came in one accord in one place. You see i hear so many things i hear people who say we need to have weight services So in other words, we come together and we're going to sing and speak in tongues and sing and speak in tongues and pray. Some people call it pray in. So it's not only pray, but pray in. I asked a man once, what does it mean to pray in? Well, when you pray, you go on your knees, you pray for five minutes, but then you roll around, you do funny stuff. That's how you pray in. I said, where is it, my brother? He says, well, they are going in one accord. I said, no, no, the word one accord, there comes from Greek. It is homothumadom means they were in one mind with one passion what was the passion church the passion for them was the promise of god the holy spirit the dunamis power of god that doesn't say they prayed the whole time for 10 days they came together they went they watched, like you go to church and then the next day they will come together again yes they prayed but they might have seen psalms as well and they might have had a psalm here or scripture there or some of them might have sat down and talked and remembered what Jesus did at a certain time but the main idea was that they were in one place and they were in one passion accord waiting on the promise of God. The second thing I want to touch on this, where did these signs come from? From heaven, from heaven. And we can't copy that the day of pentecost came and the way it came can't be copied again i want to be clear about that you know over the years people come to me and they say we need to have extra services and you know what we do we dim the lights on a bit we bring a few of those smoke machines in to set the atmosphere you can do that as much as you want you can even ask people to pay when they come through the door somebody's going to pay for that smoke machine but I'll tell you one thing. You cannot copy that again. The Holy Spirit came and it poured out. It's given. He came in that way. It's like somebody going, say, on the day of December. And we all do that. You know, people do that. All we do is we all come and we put the little grip in and we put Jesus in there. We try to copy the same thing that happened that day. You cannot reborn Jesus again as a baby. No, no. He grew up. He became a man. And He died on a cross. And He was risen. And He was ascended on high. And now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Similarly, similarly, you cannot copy the coming of the Lord Jesus God, the, the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit. You cannot copy that. But I see so many people try. Try. Yeah, I can say a lot about it. We will fail because it's all fake. And you can see through the fakeness. And, and, and you know how I can testify this. Over the years people came into our church. I preach the word of God as it is there. And they would come to me and say, wow, this is solid food. Not because I preach it. Anybody can. And this is why we get your brothers to start doing the communion. Everybody can. Open up the word. I can get a Sunday school child to come and read the word for us. That's substance. But they say these other things are popcorn. You know what's popcorn? The only time that it's valuable is when it pops because there's no substance It's candy floss And this is the thing we cannot copy what God has done It happened once and it was poured out The birth It's not the birth of the Holy Spirit but the coming of God the Holy Spirit came once And you say but prove this to us Well three times Three times in the book of Acts, we're going to come to that uh, the, uh, They went around and laid hands on people and they spoke in tongues Or the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit But I don't read that about a mighty rushing wind Don't it, do you? You don't read about, oh then they saw tongues coming on the people No, no, it's the only place you can read that. Now you have people going around and say there's Spirit is coming out And you know the dust and gold dust I wouldn't go and waste that time on that But I just wanted to make this point these signs came from heaven for a specific purpose now let me quickly hurry on it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and praise God for that they were empty and now they are filled when they were sitting there and waiting in one accord for the promise of the Father now the promise came and they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 verse 5 he says, Jesus said, for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why didn't Jesus say you will be baptized with fire? Because it's not the time for judgment. It was not the time for judgment. Why? Because they need to have the power to go out and be witnesses. But he says you will receive the Holy Spirit. And we remember, you remember, they were overflowing. And they started to speak in tongues. That was only a sign of overflowing. They started to speak in tongues. In John chapter 7, 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me. There There is qualification there. You have to believe. You have to be born again. He who is born again. That's what you can write in there. I mean, that's our whole sermon, which I've already preached, and I can preach it to you that way, or you can go on YouTube and go and have a look. You see, he who believes, you see, we all thirst. We all thirst. We were born thirsty. We were born looking for God. He says, Come to me. You will find no other satisfaction than him and drink. He who believes, he was born again, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, these men, they were filled, they were empty. As soon as they were filled, they started speaking in tongues. Now, the focus for a lot of people is on the tongues, and we will get to that next week or the week after. We will get to the tongues. I've already preached a sermon, go and see it online. The miracle of tongues. It's glossa. That's what it is in Greek glossa, dialect. But they were overthrown. Now, people concentrate on the tongues. But what did those tongues say? You can go and read on. It says the tongues were proclaiming the wonderful works of God. That's what the tongues did, just in everyone's language. So they were overflowing. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit and believing would receive for that the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John fourteen sixteen, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He might with you and. Um, um, that not get my with you forever, and it will be in you. Now, I ask you the question, how do you know the Spirit is in you? And when does the Spirit come into you? Do we now have to have a service again on Friday evening, and you know, it's all just sing, and we in one accord, and we sing, and we sing, and I hype you up, and we hype you up, and we start doing all of these things. Is, is, that, is that it? Is that how the Spirit comes in? Now we've gone over this. The Bible talks directly about this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. As I said before, this should be underlined in your Bible. You should learn these words off by heart. It says, In Him you also trusted. In who? In Jesus. You trusted. You put your trust in Jesus. You see, when we come back here, you thirst, you came to Him, and you put your trust in Him. How do you put your trust in Jesus? You get born again. That's how it happens. He says in the to trust after you've heard the word of truth. You've heard the word of truth. The whole world is telling you lies. The truth is the word of God. He says, the gospel of your salvation. So what is the word of truth? The gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus Christ came and died for your sin. That's the gospel. It's the good news. He says of your salvation in whom also, having believed, having believed, you were what? You were sealed with what? The Holy Spirit Spirit of what? what? I know I put it out of you, but I want you to discover it. I want you to read it for yourself because self discovery is so wonderful. Self discovery. Now, let me just quickly rewind. Why did I say Luke's premise was for writing Acts chapter 2 to Theopolis? The first thing in his mind was the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. That's the purpose of Acts chapter 2. Don't be caught up with church groups who want to take you on a different route. Yes, they're also in there. But once you're going to lay this foundation and understand, wow, this is how the Holy Spirit came. And the signs were only for me. It was only for me to know that that was the presence of the divine god that's the reason god chose that way to bring it because there were jews in the room the jews are seeking a sign and the greeks for wisdom the jews were there so he brought it in that way i'm not a jew but to me today that's evidence i know it as much as i stand here and now he comes on and i say to you he says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of you, until the redemption and purchase possession to the praise of you. So when do you receive the Holy Spirit? Brothers and sisters, when the Lord saves your soul, when you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit and you sealed into the body. Yes, there is a filling for ministry. I get that. And we can talk about that. But this happened in one place then let's just touch on, uh, on speaking in tongues. Brother Glenn, can you call my wife brother? Yeah. I'm nearly finished. Glenn said he'll sit at the door and if I'm ready, I can ask him He'll do that for right? us. So, the third thing that I want to talk about that he wrote down is the miracle of tongues. And again, on the miracle of tongues, I want to refer to you, I've preached a whole sermon about this, the miracle of tongues, the glossary. They started to begin to speak in these tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The word here is dialect. They didn't speak in a gibberish. They spoke in languages. Now we're gonna come next week, we're gonna come next week and I'm gonna show you the part, or, or the week after, I'll explain why, but I'll show you the part where people just glossed over these names of these different countries of people who were there. They just go over it because it's, you know, why is that the artist to tell us? But there's a specific reason and there's a specific way that he's writing them down. A specific order, I'll show that to you. But when these men came out, they spoke in the languages of these nations there. The miracle was there for them to go, these boys were untrained boys, how could they speak in our language? How can we understand them? And then more so, these tongues came and they were glorifying and speaking about the oneness of God, the wonderful things of God. So hopefully this morning I've challenged you a bit on how or what you've been taught in the book of Acts. And let's go to the word and has instructive meaning out of the word, not trying to read meaning into the word. But these tongues were spoken and we're going to get to that, as I said, ne- uh, the next time. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Heavenly Father, Father, I'm so so thankful today that I have the privilege to preach on chapter two, Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming, Father, of the helper, our Paracletos, who could be in us and with us. And Father, thank you that we have concrete evidence of that that I know for sure today based on your word, based on scripture proof, that when you came in that upper room, it was the spirit of promise. And Father, more so that that spirit of promise now lives in my heart and is with me forever. Father, I pray for everybody here today. I pray God as we go each our own way. <coughs> Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit be with us and during the week as we think about the message that you will add more as people open up their Bibles in Acts chapter 2, that we will add more, in Jesus name, Amen. Praise the Lord, have we learned something today? Amen. amen. The Word of God is so wonderful and so perfect. Now, I'm going to continue as we go through Acts chapter 3. There's three parts that I'm going to touch, chapter 2. And the next part is the, the reaction, the reaction of what's happened there. And then we're going to see what Peter was saying. And He's going to address those nations where these people come from. And then we're going to see Peter's sermon. What a wonderful sermon. We will look through the sermon. And then we will come eventually down to the last part where we're going to see the reaction on the people, what they've done. In Jesus' name. Amen.